Yes, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, our Lord, and your spirit works within us its truth, we just pray that you guide us now. May each word that I say uh, and uh, each thought that comes to mind be pleasing unto you, O Lord. As we receive this message, we pray this in your name, amen, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, do this with me as we get started. Take a deep breath with me, okay? Doesn't that feel good? When you inhaled air, filled your lungs, and and what happened was oxygen went into the bloodstream. Now there's this exchange. Carbon dioxide left the bloodstream, went into the lungs, and it was exhaled. And, And without this exchange, you couldn't live. Think about that for a second. And yet, what's interesting about our breathing is we hardly ever think about it, right? I mean, I'm not saying you never think about it. We thought about it when I asked you to breathe with me, but, but if you think about it, I just breathe and hardly ever think about what comes next. Even the time I'm saying this, you've been breathing over and over again. That's, of course, the picture we're given here in 2 Timothy, you heard Serena read it, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of God's Word, it says in verse 16, as we just read, it's God-breathed, or breathed out by God, as the ESV put it. And, and that's the section of Scripture we're going to focus our attention on today. So I'd encourage you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 through 17 in particular. But let me give you a little introduction before I read a few of those verses again to you that have already been read. The title of the talk today is Need to Breathe. You'll see for obvious reasons why in a bit. But, but here's what's going on in our text as we continue in this sermon series, Moving Forward to Maturity or Moving On to Maturity. Uh, and we're covering all of 2 Timothy. We're going to get into 1 Timothy. Don't ask me why we're going in that way. But uh, anyway... As we get to chapter 3 now and are over halfway through here, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison to encourage this young pastor, Timothy, to keep on keeping on. Push through the the difficult things that he is is facing. And and so he begins chapter 3 this way. In, In the last days... There's going to be trouble. And and the last days refers to the time period in which is beginning in his lifetime and continues in our lifetime in which the way of the world is turning into terrible times. And and I'm not saying that so so that we we start on a a downward way or a depressing way at all. I, I don't say that to to shame the world, so to speak. I say that because it doesn't take too much to realize that we're living in the days that are being described here in 2 Timothy. For it says in the first nine verses, in the days in which you are living, there will be difficult times because people will be lovers of self and they'll be prideful and they'll be arrogant and and they'll be self-seeking first to the point 
that they'll be greedy and slanderous and abusive, and they'll take advantage of people. To describe the culture in which we live is to describe a world that is self-seeking first. And that describes sin. But Paul doesn't leave us there. For he goes on to say in verses 10 through 13, but you, Timothy, and so therefore you, church, you don't follow the ways of the world, although we'll be tempted to follow the ways of the world, and we will struggle with selfishness and, and greed and envy and strife and all of the things that are described. He says, but you, you, know, you follow my teaching and my conduct and my aim." And what he's really pointing to is, is this, the Scriptures that we so graciously have to hold in our hands. He says, you, however, you don't follow the world. Don't seek to go after the world. Don't continue in that way of thinking. You continue in what you've learned. And that's what he says in particular here in verse 14. I'll remind you, of what was already read, uh, ESV renders it this, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. NIV, it says this, I think this is helpful for us to hear, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Kind of like there was a time and a place in your life when what you learned became something you were totally convinced of. Like, you got it. Like, you believe it now. It's not just something that was, was given to you and you, and you were taught and, and, you, and, and, and you liked what you heard and said and yet you didn't know if it really applied to your own life. No, now, now you're convinced of it. And he goes on to say this, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. As ESV renders it, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, obviously speaking to the, the, the covenant writings, the Old Testament, because remember the, the New Testament hasn't been penned yet. It's being penned as we speak, Right? which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, pointing us to the gospel. And then he says all scripture is breathed out by God. So, so starting at, at the beginning here, what's the difference between knowing something and being convinced of it? Might be a fairly obvious question, but what's the difference? I mean, I can tell my kids to do something, and they can even do it, but that doesn't mean necessarily they're convinced of it or believe it in their heart. Kind of the age-old illustration is like you can tell your kids not to touch the hot stove, but some of them, <laughs> you know who we're talking about, some of them will still go up and touch that hot stove as if they were not convinced that it would burn their hand, right? There is, there is knowledge... And, 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 and there is then conviction, and then there is belief. The Apostle Paul does not just say, keep learning. He says, continue in what you've learned and been convinced of, which is to say, listen up, church, which is to say, 
According to Paul, the difference between those who will keep on keeping on in the faith and those who will be crushed by adversity and will fail to persevere is simply the difference between those who have the Word, not just here, but in here. Right? Isn't that what he's saying simply? It's not just a head knowledge thing. It's not just a I learned it once thing, but it's something that that takes root in the heart. The word continue here means to remain or to dwell or to live in as it relates to the wisdom that makes you wise for salvation. And that is to say, and I've heard this quote before, don't know if you have, uh, and I, I don't know who actually said it, don't recall who said it, but that is to say, the Word of God doesn't speak to everything like it doesn't teach me how to play baseball. But it does say something about everything. In other words, it speaks into every aspect of your life. And it will guide you to that which is most important. So continue in this wisdom means that you learn and you keep living it. Which draws us to this conclusion. And if you take nothing else from this talk, hear this. Our relationship to the truth, that which we claim to be true and profess to be faithful and right, the Word of God, the Bible as we hold it in our hands, our relationship to the truth is not mere knowledge, but also something you interact with, something you have relationship with. Let me ask you, is the, is the Word of God agreeing with you or are you agreeing with the Word of God? There, there's a difference. First Thessalonians 1, 4, and 5 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, another way of saying, we know, Christians, that you... He has chosen you because our gospel came to you. Look, look what it says. Not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Mere words cannot penetrate the heart and soul. Just the same mere words do not convince the hearers of the gospel to accept it and live it out. No, the work of the Holy Spirit along with the word works to solidify, to take root, and in it we abide. Just, just like when someone comes up to me after the service and says, boy, Pastor, it was like you're speaking right to me. And I might say, no, <laughs> that, was, that was God. <laughs> no, because that's God's word. And as the Spirit and the Word work together, it speaks into our heart and soul. Like a, a pastor I used to work with, we were in the back office, not here at another church, and, and uh, someone came back after the service and was kind of angry at the pastor. And I don't mean like belligerent, but they were kind of like, kind of angry. And he comes up to the other pastor, and I was right there, and he says, Pastor, I have a bone to pick with you. And then the pastor looks at him and says, no, you have a bone to pick with God. I'll never forget that. 
because I got it right then and there. See, see, the Bible is not merely a book offering knowledge and understanding as if it is just some other subject that we learn in school that may or may not aid our lives. Like if you're into that sort of thing, it will help you be a better person. If that's your view of the scriptures, I encourage you to keep learning, keep growing. See, see, the Bible isn't a mere book. We, we have it in book form, but just as 2 Timothy 3 tells us, it's the very essence of God. It's breathed out by God. God breathed means quite simply, and we're going to unpack this a little bit, it's living and active. It's alive. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, to really unpack this would take forever. You wouldn't like that. I wouldn't mind, but you wouldn't like that. So to say it simply, it means it's not static or, or idle. It also means that it applies to our lives. It also means it's interactive. I mean, there's no other book in history that speaks into our hearts like this one. There's no other book that has satisfied the greatest questions asked about life and death and morality and and many other things. No, No other source that reveals the deep and hidden things within our hearts. There's no other book that can nourish our souls like this one. If you're thinking, boy, that's quite a claim, Pastor, I just encourage you to spend some time this week in looking for something else that measures up. I really do. There's no other book like it, and this is proven statistically, that has been tested by skeptics in every generation, and yet has stood the test of time. No other book that has been consistently studied and picked apart and scrutinized to the point that entire governments have either accepted it as law or tried to banish it from all of human history, and yet it has stood the test of time. Because it's living and active. Opposed to, think about this, inanimate or lifeless or extinct or inactive or non-functioning or ineffective or, or, or dormant. And we know the difference between something that is living and something that is not, right? I was uh, mowing. This is actually a few years ago. Mowing my backyard. And uh, I had noticed that there was an indent in the grass, which was normal for that backyard. Anyway, and, and I noticed, although it it was covered because there was grass there. It was, it was a huge dip in the grass. But I was mowing and probably listened to a podcast or something, not really paying much attention. And I went over this hole that I didn't really know was a hole. And I stepped in it and it went way down. And I thought, what on earth is this? I turned off the mower and I stuck, I don't know why I just did this without you know, uncovering, but I just stuck my hand down in the hole as if to just see how deep it was. And I felt like something moving and crawling and biting and 
and gnawing. And I was like, ah! Like I actually screamed out loud, which tells a lot, too much, too much about me. Anyway. I remember thinking, what on earth is that? And I uncovered the grass, and there was a nest of baby bunnies in there. And of course, I was thinking, I just mowed over this. <laughs> that could have been really messy. They were all intact, don't worry. No rabbits were harmed in the... Yeah. But I just remember thinking, that was obvious. There was something alive in there. <laughs> you know what I mean. Living and active. There's a story that will burn in your mind for years to come. <laughs> That's the point. Living and active. What exactly does that mean about the, the, the scriptures here? What is living and active and what does it look like and how does that apply to our lives and why does it matter? Does it matter that we be convinced of this? Well, let me explain. What is living and active more specifically? It means, number one, it means the word of God is powerful. If we could kind of dumb down what, what the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy and the church here, we could say continue in, what specific? Continue in the power of the Word of God. Allow that power to manifest itself in your heart and, and soul. Continue in the power of the Word. What do I mean by that? The, the sword of the Spirit, another word for the Scriptures, is the only offense we have in all of the arsenal given to us in defense of the enemy's attacks. The Word of God works both in the here and the now, in the past and the future, in the physical and the spiritual. It covers all bases. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says of joint and marrow and of the spiritual realm. With my job, of course, I get the chance often to sit down with people and and, and, and speak with them about things that are going on in their lives. Maybe I've done that with some of you here. And, and, and often what I find myself doing is, is kind of being conscious of not only what someone is sharing with me, but how I can lead them to the Scriptures. And so on more than one occasion, maybe I've done this with you, I've been sitting with you in the office or something like that, or out for coffee, and, 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 and we're sharing, and, and then I just say, hey, let, just do something for me. For a second, and I just open up the word because the the Holy Spirit brings something to mind, and I highlight it, underline it, and then I just kind of turn it around and just slide it right there. And I said, "Read that out loud for a second." And and the reason I do that is not because I was trained to do that. That's certainly not it, although I was. <laughs> I, I do that because. What inevitably happens is, is someone begins to read the scriptures out loud and often they don't even get through half of it. Why? Because it suddenly takes root in their hearts and they begin to sometimes cry and, and not even be able to finish what is being said. And, 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 they, and maybe this is just me, but I get that, get that look so often. And it's the look that says, says this. How did it know what was going on inside? How did, how did it know? And how did it know that I needed to hear that right here and right now? How did it know? Because it's living and active. 
Jeremiah 23.29 speaks to this power. It says this, Is not my word, it's rhetorical, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll hear people say things about Scripture like, well, I don't really like the parts of Scripture that speak to judgment and negative things. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm going into war with someone... I don't want it to be soft and easy and nice. I don't want that person to be soft and easy and nice, right? I want them to be strong and and courageous and tough and speak into every aspect. You, You get where I'm going with that, right? Why would we be offended that the Word of God is like fire and stronger than a rock? That's an encouragement to us. That as it is living and active, it can refine and shape and prod and perfect the things in our lives because it's powerful. It's not only powerful, living and active also means that it's transformative. It's as if the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, allow the Word of God to transform your heart. Another word for that is allow it to be surgical. You like that? Allow the Word to do some surgery on your heart. This is the the time of year when people like to dress up, um, in costumes, that is. And um, it's not just kids who like to do this. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, parents and people of all ages love to get together this time of year and wear costumes. Now I'm saying one way or the other if that's good or bad or whatever, but uh, let me just say this. I have a little philosophy about dressing up. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I'm going to share it anyway. (laughs) I think we all like to dress up because there are things about us that we don't like. And sometimes to put on a mask and sometimes to be something that we are not, again, maybe that's for fun, maybe it's not, is pleasing. It's enjoyable. But the thing about our dressing up is that what God wants to transform, what He wants to change, what He wants to see altered is not something that's really on the outside. It's something within. And the truth of the matter is unless we change from within, we will never change from without, right? We'll never change on on, on the outside. That's why I'm so grateful Uh, The Word of God is transformative. That it can modify and change us. That it can turn our lives around. That, That even if you're sitting here and you're disagreeing with everything I say, you will leave here still a different person. Because whether you agree or don't agree, it will still change you in some way or another. Amen? If you've ever encountered the Word of God, you know what I'm talking about. 
In fact, it will agree and disagree with us a lot if we allow it to. Which is why I asked the question, are you following God's word or are you trying to implement into God's word what you believe and what you know and your own truth, right? See, if you're not experiencing the word of God and its transformation in a regular way on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, in other words, if you're, not, you're the same person you were 10 years ago, I question whether or not you're following the truth of God's word or your own truth. And I don't say that in judgment. I say that because I've experienced it myself. In other words, if, if you haven't wrestled lately... Maybe you're just in tune with your own truth. Because we can go back to the Garden of Eden and see that Satan's greatest tactic is to twist the truth. Oh, did God say that, he says? And to challenge our perception of what God says. And there is something inside our hearts that just wants to repel, wants to stand against, wants wants selfishness rather than selflessness. And, and does not desire to follow, but desires to run from or get away or do our own thing. Because that's what's inside. When's the last time you wrestled with the Scriptures? It will challenge you, and that's a good thing. Because challenge and, and, and uncomfortableness and All of that comes with refining rough edges and and being changed. Changed. Without change, there is no maturity. Here's what our text says about how transformation works. Notice what it says. Here are the benefits in verse 16 of the Scriptures. What's it profitable for? How do we gain from it? Well, it tells us teaching. That's what we're doing here. Reproof. It means that you're being warned. And it actually comes from the root word to be exposed. There are things that get exposed. Okay? That's reproof. And, and then that turns to a place of correction where you're turning around and being connected from what's being exposed. And then it Trains you. Like you need a life coach, here's your life coach. The Word of God is that for us. In fact, everything that we need for faith and life has been given to us in His Word so that we would be, what's the word there in verse 16? So that we can be, what? Equipped. Which just means armed and protected. I always picture a football player with his helmet and pads on, that sort of thing. Protected, right? Because you need to be protected from what the schemes of the enemy and the destruction of what he desires will cause in our lives. The word of God is powerful, it's transformative. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. It's persistent. You know that? What What does it mean that the Bible is living and active? It means it's persistent. It's as if the Apostle Paul is saying, 
to Timothy, hey, don't push away when the persistence of the Word of God sticks with you and bothers you and wakes you up at night and doesn't let you go back to sleep. Allow it to work in your heart and in your life. For in its persistence, it will begin to change you and you'll move on to growing and, and, and away from what you used to be. You know, used to, like, like an infant, used to milk and now on to, now on to big boy food, as we call it at my house. <laughs> yeah. That's where, where God is leading us all. And he does that persistently. You remember the story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 3? If you don't, if you don't know this story, that's okay. I'll, I'll just try to summarize it briefly. Samuel is a young boy growing up in the temple. He was dedicated to the temple by his mom because his mother couldn't have children. And so she said, well, if, if, you, if you answer my prayer, I'll dedicate this boy to the temple. So that's just what she did. God gave her a child, and she dedicated to the temple. And so Samuel uniquely grew up literally living in the temple with the priest named Eli. And, and so, so Eli and Samuel, Eli is in his chamber in his place, and, and, and actually tells us in the scriptures that, that, that Samuel is, he, he's, he's laying in like the, the temple itself. And, and he's going to sleep one night, and he hears a voice. And he doesn't know what it is, so he runs to Eli, and he says, yes, you, you, you called, you called. And as the story goes, he's like, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed, and then he hears the voice again, and he goes to Eli, and he says, you called? Yes, yes, you called? And he said, no, I didn't call you. This happens three times, and then finally it says it dawns on Eli, the voice of the Lord is calling Samuel. It's a beautiful story of the call of God on a young man's life. And he says, go back to bed. And if he calls again, say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And so he does. He goes back, and for a fourth time, the persistence of God, for a fourth time, the word of God comes to Samuel. And he says, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And he tells him a prophecy that will change Israel forever. And we don't have time to get into that. That's for you, not for me, for you. But here's what's interesting about the text. What's interesting is at the beginning of the text, it tells us this. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And then earth-shattering prophecy. Do you think the word of God is alive because we live in a culture that doesn't agree with it? <laughs> Come on. I think it's in these rare times when God does his deepest work. Because when no one's listening and then all of a sudden everyone's listening, it gets the attention of a lot of people, right? And here's what we know about God's Word. It's living and active because the Word of God is a person. 
The, the word of God is Christ Jesus. John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And then what does it say? Full of grace and truth. This is how it works. The, the good news of the gospel declares Believer, just who you are in Christ Jesus. That you're accepted and not condemned. For those in Christ Jesus, you have been given because of His sacrifice and grace. You have been given and gifted His righteousness. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You've been gifted it. So that when you face tough times you know just who you belong to. This is the way it works. When, when, the, when the Spirit and, and the Word work together, it strengthens our heart and our faith to believe. And then we go and share that grace with those who don't know it. Church, you're graced. And in Christ Jesus, righteous and chosen. And as you continue to walk in what he has done for you, and what he has already convinced you of, it is then that you continue abiding and growing in your relationship with the truth. So would you... uh, Stand with me in response to this message. And and would you respond to that word by receiving what the Spirit and the Word is confirming in your heart? That, That salvation is found in no one else. That when we have an open mind and heart to receive the word of God, God will transform by his power, no matter how persistent he has to be. Would you bow with me as I pray for each of us here? What first comes to mind is maybe there are some here who have never received the word of God hardly know what I'm talking about. They've never been convinced of anything. Lord Jesus, may your Holy Spirit come into our hearts and show us our need. I don't know if I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to someone. Holy Spirit, come into his or her heart and show them what it means to abide in you. Reveal to them your your love and your grace and your mercy. And lead them, Lord Jesus, to salvation. I'm also thinking of some of us here who maybe... uh, haven't experienced much change recently in our lives, haven't done much wrestling 
lately? Mostly, you just think the Bible is agreeing with the way you think. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, maybe, but... Lord, might there be some here today who've kind of started to believe their own truth, pick the part, the the places of the Bible that agree with them and kind of reject the rest of it, so to speak. Lord, I just pray that your word, as it does not return void, would convict each of us as we allow it to be the guide of our lives, not us to be the guide of it. And so, Lord, as we recognize our need for the word leading, to ultimately is Christ Jesus in our lives. We proclaim you as Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that you are Savior and Lord, and we look for your wisdom and your guidance and your strength as we persevere on into the things that will go about in our days and on in the weeks and months and Lord willing years to come. May we continue to be a church that is grounded with the foundation of your word and may that never be compromised, Lord Jesus. But even in that, Lord, may we not only be hearers of the word as a church, but doers as we abide with you. And so this is our prayer, and we ask in Jesus' name that your will would be done. And we pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.